Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. God is good, great in this place. Uh, just want to reiterate uh, just this one announcement. Well, one, I want to make sure you guys, um, there is an outline for today's message. We're going through the book of Acts. So if you didn't get an outline, see one of the ushers. They should be able to give you one. Um, it's a lot, so we're not going to actually go through it all. <laughs> and plus, we have to finish up chapter one and then go into chapter two. I'm always really ambitious about um, doing this, and I was like, yeah, there's no way we're going to get through all of this today. So we'll get, we'll get as far as we can, and, and praise the Lord, we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, one thing I do want to just, again, remind you guys, October 21st is our uh, All Family Festival Fun Day want to encourage all of you to volunteer. See Joshua Okra. Uh, if you want to sign up to volunteer, he could take your name, and then we can place you somewhere that day. Uh, but this is uh, an opportunity for us to outreach. We haven't done many outreaches this year, and so this is an opportunity for us to go out in the community. Uh, this is an opportunity for our neighbors to come in. We can have them over to your house and feed them a little bit and play some games with them, get to know them, uh, but also to share the gospel, to, you know, win souls. Um, and so we want to do that on that day. So I encourage all of you to volunteer. It's a corporate effort and invite your family and friends, your coworkers, your neighbors uh, to come out to that event. Uh, available that day. And if you're available, available for, for part of the day, you can sign up, say, I can give you two hours. Sign up for your two hours, and then you may have other things to do. So we, we can definitely uh, utilize you on that day. So October 21st, be on the lookout for that. But definitely sign up. You don't want to invite people to your house and you're not home, So uh, as the old folks would say. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. All right, so we're going to jump in. I, I left off on um, Chapter 1 of Acts, and we're going through the book of Acts. So uh, you know probably... The next, I probably, I'm not going to go through a chapter of Sunday. That's not going to happen. So it's probably going to be uh, at least nine or ten months, maybe even a year, that we're going to go through the book of Acts. And I think there's some good information you're going to get from it. Uh, so I hope you are excited about it. But one of the things that I ask you to think about is, are there apostles needed today? Uh, and so I'm going to answer that because that was in the end of chapter one. And then we'll jump into chapter two. Chapter two is... Not any easier because it starts out talking about the Holy Spirit. And there's some debate about the Holy Spirit and what that means. Uh, I don't know what camp you land in. Um, I land in the camp of the scriptures, and that's where we're going to uh, fall on. <laughs> I, I do not deviate from what the Word says. If you can show me where it says something different and you land a different place, that's fine. But I land right here. Not my opinion, not someone else's opinion. I land where the scriptures are. Um, so with that being said, we ended, we didn't get to the end of chapter one, but we kind of ended where Peter was giving us the detail, <laughs> uh, play by play of what happened to, uh, Judas and his guts been splattered out all over the, <laughs> all over the rock from tr him trying to hang himself. And there was a need at that point for another disciple, apostle, I'm sorry, another apostle. And it was running my attention to my, me and my wife. We, we, we talk about theology, and she reminded me, uh, when we talk about the word, and, uh, that when Jesus was choosing his disciples, 
he had many disciples. It wasn't just the 12. And sometimes we think that, oh, it was just the 12 that were following Jesus. But they were more than the 12 that followed Jesus. Um, and even it says uh, that, you know, he brought his disciples together and chose the 12. So that means that there were more than 12, but he chose the 12 to be the apostles or the foundation. Um, so there were many that were following him. And so the qualifications when Judas killed himself, the qualifications that they stated, and this is in Acts uh, chapter 1, verses, starting in verses 21, and we'll go down to the end. And we'll quickly go through this, but um, starting at Acts 21, it talks about the qualifications. And they give two qualifications. One is they had to be with them from the beginning. Um, so the qualifications to be an apostle, they were choosing these guys, and they said, hey, one of the qualifications is you had to be with us from the beginning, and you had to witness the resurrection of Christ. You had to see him after, after he had died and came back. You had to witness him after the resurrection. And so those were the two qualifications, and they chose two people uh, to think about. So they chose Judas and Matthias. And then, this is an interesting thing, because then they drew straws, right? They kind of like, well, here are the two people we're thinking about that meet that qualification. Then let's draw straws or lots to see who we choose. And this is, uh, I got into some conversations the last time I spoke about why this happened. And historically, this is what the Jews did. You can find this in the Old Testament a lot, that they drew lots, they drew straws, they'd make a decision. Um, and this will be the last time that you will see this done because in chapter 2, they have the Holy Spirit. So there's no need at that point to say, oh, well, let's cast lots to make a decision. Now we say, let me go to the Holy Spirit to help me make a decision. Uh, and they will not use that traditional thing that they had used before. And so that's why you see that. Because it's strange to say, hey, we're going to uh, seek the Lord about these two people. They meet this qualification. Then let's cast lots to make the decision. And that's why they made a decision. Historically, that's what they did. But you won't see that uh, practice anywhere else in the New Testament. That was the last time you hear of it. So when they cast these lots, um, so, and I wanted to touch on how you make a godly decision. And I know Pastor Taylor used to have the uh, lighthouse method. Um, I couldn't find, I couldn't remember all the seven. I dug through all my notes to try to find. So if you know it, please, please find it. I know Elder Sam probably has it somewhere. Uh, but lighthouse, lighthouse method had, a, I think, at least seven things about making godly decisions. And I could not remember the seven. So, Lord, God, forgive me. And Pastor Taylor, forgive me as well. <laughs> but, uh, but I can't, I saw this and uh this was the five c's and i was like maybe your motives uh consult god's word wise counsel consult the holy spirit uh get clarification through prayer prophecy courage and making the decision and then contentment and once you made that decision you're okay with whatever happens after that um and you believe that that's the, the path that lord the lord has called you to do and you're doing that and so that's what i think the apostles did when they cast lots they cast lots, and they say, hey, well, this is the decision, and we're okay with it, and we move on. They didn't say, oh, man, I wish this person would have got it, or I wish we could change that. They went with it. So being content with our decisions is really important. Didn't want to focus on that because that was chapter 1. We're going into chapter 2 of Acts, and a very good book. I don't know how far we'll get into it. Um, we may have to break this up into three sections. We'll see. Um, but two digs in a lot, talks about a whole lot. Uh, I mean, you could spend several sermons talking just about Peter's uh, preaching that towards the end or middle portion of Acts. So, but we're not. We're going to get through some of this. We'll see how far we go.
talks about, so start out with the day of Pentecost. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to read all of Acts. I'm, I'm going to assume that you know how to read <laughs> and you're going to read it. But I'm just going to reference the things that are in the act, in Acts. So it talks about when the day of Pentecost came. And, uh, and then they were just rushing wind, a mighty sound from heaven, a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house uh, they were sitting in. The day of Pentecost, uh, this was a Jewish feast that was held 50 days after Passover. Uh, it was celebrated the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And so th- there were three uh, main celebrations. So there was Passover, uh, Pentecost, and I can't remember the third one that the Jewish people celebrated, where they gathered together. Um, Someone yelled it out, I think. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so there were three holidays, and these were two of them. Pentecost and Passover were two of the bigger ones, and there was a third big one as well. And so they were all with one accord in one place. It wasn't in a Honda Accord, um, just one accord. <laughs> it wasn't a circus trick. <laughs> but they were all 120 saints were together, and the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Uh, at that time, and suddenly they heard this sound in the house and the wind and the rushing wind and the Holy Spirit descended, descended upon them. And and this is important. There appeared to them divided tongues as fire and one sat upon each of them. These divided tongues as fire appearing over each one were also unusual. This is this is the first time this is the introduction of the Holy Spirit. So let's think about this. This is the, the this is the first meeting of the church, the congregation of 120 people. Jesus has just ascended and went back to heaven. Peter gives his dissertation. They pick another apostle, so they have the 12, and they go back to the upper room, um, which is not a house. It was more like a court because normally houses couldn't fit 120 people in it. Um, so it was more like an open court space in the upper room. Uh, and uh, So, yeah, so 100 people were there, and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit because they had gotten told in chapter 1, Jesus said, Wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and descend upon you. And so they waited 10 days. And so I can imagine during that time, they didn't know how long they were going to wait. You know, day one went by. And we can look back and say, oh, it was just 10 days. That's not very long. But imagine someone, Jesus saying, hey, wait for the Holy Spirit. And you're waiting, all 120, waiting together in the upper room, day one, day two. Day three, maybe you thought day three because the resurrection happened in three days, and maybe you're thinking it was like maybe in the third day, the Holy Spirit's definitely come. Day three, no Holy Spirit. It's like, okay, well, let's see what happens after this. <laughs> day four, day five, six, seven. We go on eight, nine, and ten. And so I can imagine during that season of waiting that they may have been some that might have got a little impatient. They might have got a little perturbed. I'm here with these 120 people. Some of them are getting on my nerves, you know. <laughs> try Jesus, don't try me, that kind of attitude. Um, but, yeah, so they're waiting, and they didn't know. They didn't know how long were they were going to wait. But they were faithful. All 120 stayed and waited because Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. How important is it for you when Jesus tells you something to do that? Because what if... One of the 120 said, you know what, it's day three. I haven't seen a sign or anything. I'm out. I'm going to go back home. You know, we would have missed out on the birthing of the church and the Holy Spirit coming down. And I would hate to have had to heard that and back at home to say, oh, man, you missed a good service. 
<laughs> the Holy Spirit came in that place, man. There were tongues of fire. I didn't stay where the Lord had me to stay when he told me to wait. And many of us, some of you may be in a waiting season where the Lord is telling you to wait. How much more is it important for you to wait like the Lord tell you versus doing your own thing, going out on your own, making it happen on your own? The lesson that these, this church, they were, they were on one accord. They were faithful. They said, hey, we're going to wait. And so now we have this new introduction of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, which can be controversial for some. It's not very controversial for me um, because it's very clear in the word what the word says. Um, so they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they uh, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when, they, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. So there was so much noise coming from that upper room that other people were like, wait a minute, something's going on. And they began to crowd around to say, what is going on? And, and again, you have to think that this was just at the Passover. And so all these people are now, all these people from other countries are coming together due to Passover. And now they're hearing this. And they speak different languages. And so they're coming to say, wait a minute, what is this we're hearing? And so and when they sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So what they heard was people speaking in their own language. And that was rare because they knew they were in a different country. But they, that wasn't common for them to hear other people speak in their own dialect from their, their native country. And they were amazed and marveled and saying to one another, look, are, are not all these who speak Galileans? So this is funny to me uh, because the Galileans were not, um, is anyone from Bedford County? You know, no one's from Bedford. We could talk about Bedford then. The Galileans are from Bedford. You know, they're country bumpkin hillbillies. They don't have, <laughs> maybe Campbell, Amherst. I don't know. I'll talk about all of you if you want to. I'm not, no messing, I'm messing. No, but the Galileans were, were hillbillies. They were, they were not the well-educated, and the, uh, the Jews looked down on them because they didn't speak well. They couldn't do the, uh, the sounds that the Jews were able to make, so they were considered unintelligent, unlearned men. And so that's why they say, are these not Galileans that speak? Because they were even shocked. How did these people know our language? That's why that's important. That's why that's there. How is, it that, how is it that we hear each in our own language which we were born? So then it lists all the names of, of countries that these people were from. I'm not going to go into all those names because I'll just butcher it up. I'm, I'm from Bedford as well sometimes. <laughs> I'm from North Carolina, but it's not much better, I guess. Um, <laughs> so they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others said, well, others mocking said, they are full of new wine. So others, people, so people heard this and said, what does this mean? You know, uh, you know, they were amazed, and then some were mocking and said, they're drunk. That's what this is. But they couldn't have been drunk because even in the Jewish days, this, was, this happened at 9 o'clock in the morning. Even now, it's rare that you find someone drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Maybe in your circles, I don't know. <laughs> but... The bars are not even open at 9 o'clock in the morning. So that's what I was like, man, they can't be drunk. Are they? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. There's no way they've been drinking already. Uh, so, so no, they weren't drunk, and, and they were mocking. And, and just know that sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves in your life, 
there are always going to be people who are going to be amazed and perplexed, and there are going to be people who are ready to mock you. And this was the birthing of the church, and you would have thought that, hey, they can't be mocking this, but yes, they're ready to throw that aside and just say they're drunk, they're filled with new wine. And they began to speak in tongues. And the response uh, to filling of the Holy Spirit at that those were present, not only the 12 that began to speak, but everyone there. And so there were men and women in the upper room who the Holy Spirit fell upon, and they began to speak as the Spirit gave utterance. And the multitude again surrounded them. So what could this mean? As a question some of them asked. Um, and so what does it mean? So I think we have to look at this as um, the same spirit, but two different acts, two different functions, I guess. Uh, the Holy Spirit at that time, this was, again, this was the introduction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to make an impact. He just couldn't come any kind of way. He couldn't come softly behind in the back door and no one noticed. He wanted to impact, the, the God wanted to impact the world and wanted everyone to know this is the Holy Spirit that came down. And so what he took advantage, I think God took advantage of the time and place. Those men were there that spoke other languages. And he said, the Holy Spirit is going to come down and you guys are going to speak not just in tongues, not in the gift of tongues. This is very different than the gift of tongues because they were speaking a language that other people understood. This is not the same as the gift of tongues that you hear about in 1 Corinthians, which is very different because when you're speaking in tongues there, you're speaking to God, not to men. We can go there a little bit. I don't want, uh, we're not supposed to focus on that, but I do want to kind of unpack that a little bit for you. Um, so 1 Corinthians 14, um, that's the only place we're going to turn to today, and then we'll go back into Acts. And I may reference, there's some other references of scripture in your uh, outline, but again, we got a lot to cover, and so we're just going to touch on this a little bit. When we go through 1 Corinthians, if and when that happens, we'll dig into this. <laughs> but this is just to touch on it, just so you see the difference between what happened in Acts 2 versus the gift of speaking in tongues, which is in uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14. So 1 Corinthians 14, 21 through 22, we'll stay there. Uh, in the law it is written, when men in other tongues and other lips, I will speak to the, these, this people and yet all that, that all that, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, or, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for the unbelievers, but those who believe. So this is a sign for those who believe, not for unbelievers. So tongues is not for the unbelieving. So again, this is different from what happens in Acts two, because Acts two was for unbelievers. Those people did not believe. They were asking later on, they were going to get saved, but tongues are for the believers. That is why there are rules and regulations to when you should speak in tongues. Not really necessary when unbelievers are around. It's your language to your Heavenly Father. You're speaking mysteries. Again, all this can be seen in 1 Corinthians uh, 14 to 13 through 15. I give you all those references in the outline because um, I didn't want to have to go through it. It's not what we're talking about today, but I do want to make the distinction between the gift of tongues, which you find in 1 Corinthians 14, and uh, what happens in Acts chapter 2. Same Holy Spirit, just a different function. You won't hear, I haven't heard, of Acts chapter 2 happening anywhere else, anyplace else. If you, if you, let, if you 
find it anywhere you heard, let me know. But Acts chapter 2 was special because it was the introduction of the church. It was introducing the Holy Spirit. And so he did something that he hadn't repeated. I, I, at least I don't know that he's repeated. Uh, and I haven't read in the word. Uh, some of you may have some experiences that are different, but I haven't read in the word. But so that function of the Holy Spirit was just for that time. But the gift of speaking in tongues, uh, we still have, and it is different from what happened then. So some people would say, oh, if you're speaking in tongues, it should be a language. No, that's not the case. Because then in 1 Corinthians, it talks about your language to God, not to men. It's you're, you're speaking mysteries to God. So I'm not, my tongues is not for you to understand. Especially, it talks about if you speak in tongues openly, then you must have the gift of what? Interpretation of tongues. So it cannot be the same in Acts chapter 2 because Acts chapter 2, you didn't have to have interpretation. They already knew what they were saying because they understood the tongues. That makes sense? It's the word. <laughs> it is the word. Same Holy Spirit again, just two different, two different things. There are uh, camps that would, you guys know it. <laughs> you guys know where people lie. We're in a, a cornerstone, I, I, unfortunately. Uh, we're in a uh, peculiar spot as a church uh, because we believe the whole Bible. <laughs> and so um, there are camps that say uh, that we're not charismatic enough. You know, we don't speak in tongues and do enough of the, on the charismatic side. And then there's the other side that says uh, y'all are wild and do too much, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> because they don't believe in things. I just leave it like that. I'm not trying to uh, talk about anyone, but yeah. So you have these camps, and you fall in different places. And Cornerstone, we're kind of like, hey, we believe we believe it to be done in decency and in order, and we believe the whole word and what it says. Uh, and we're not picking and choosing. If you show us differently, we might <laughs> do something differently. But the word is clear. Uh, to work what we should be doing. Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. So we made it down to uh, verse 14 of chapter 2. Peter, uh, again, so Peter, this is the same Peter, bumbling Peter from <laughs> the <laughs> Gospels. Peter who denied Jesus uh, three times. Um, Peter who cut off the guy's ear. This is Peter. Peter with the Holy Spirit is different from the Peter uh, back then, man, he comes with a powerful word. He stood up among them. This is God's word becoming true because he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. And this is the first sermon to the first church that was meeting in the upper room. So this is important. Peter's day had come. And I don't think Peter realized it or even kind of planned for it. He didn't prepare a message. He didn't have notes that he had on note cards. It was like, this is the Holy Spirit and this is the Holy Spirit at work. And he stood up among his apostles, and he began to preach a mighty word. Uh, he stood up among the eleven and raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you. Heed my words, for these are not drunk. <laughs> He's already challenging those who said they were drunk with new wine, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. So they always say, it's only 9 o'clock. We're not drunk. Uh, <laughs> he said uh, he was deflecting those that were mocking. And then he begins to go into, uh, so Peter quotes three Old Testament verses. 
hopefully we'll get to, I think we'll get through Joel. Uh, so Joel chapter 2, I mean Joel 2 he quotes and then he goes into, I'm looking at you guys' outline. My outline is different because I have more notes in it, so I should be going through mine. But I remember most of my notes, so I think. <laughs> but let me go to mine just to be sure. Uh, so he quotes Joel chapter 2, then he goes into um, Psalm 16, quoting David, and then Psalms 110. So those are the three things he quotes uh, from the Old Testament. And, and you may wonder, like, so where did Peter get this from? Peter had followed Jesus for three years. He was listening to the word that was given to him. And so, yeah, he, he picked up some stuff while he was following him. So he began to preach. Um, so I'm going to read Joel. This is in your outline. But Joel, uh, his part here, let me go to the Bible and read it from here. Um, start at 16. He said, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days. God says, God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is a good word. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Uh, this is, and, and on my men service and maid service. This Holy Spirit is for everyone. And I think even, even Peter was speaking prophetically because um, the Holy Spirit wasn't to, wasn't to the Gentiles at that point. They weren't a part of this group, but he was saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And the Gentiles wouldn't be ministered to until um, several years later they, that will come into play. Um, but the word is true. It was always for all flesh, women and men. Everyone is included, old and young. And this is interesting. I had this conversation again with my wife. Um, we often, so we have this iconography sometimes that depicts the apostles as old men. You know, they're old men with beards, and I can imagine they're walking around, you know, uh, Jerusalem slowly with Jesus, and Jesus is only 30 uh, <laughs> at the time that started his ministry. Well, he was a rabbi, so Jesus' disciples were probably younger than him. So if he started his ministry at 30, most of, the, most of his disciples who were following him were in their 20s and late teens. And so when Jesus died, there at the oldest was probably Peter, because Peter was the only one that was married at the time. So Peter, at his oldest, you could say that he might have been 30 when Jesus died. And I'm putting this in perspective because we have some young people here, and you may say, I, I'm disqualified because I'm young. And the Bible says you are qualified because you're young. Um, look at my apostles. At the, John was probably, they say he was the youngest, and he might have been 13 or 14 when he started following Jesus. Could you imagine being 13 and 14, leaving your home and following Jesus around? Christianity was a youth movement. It was filled with young people, and that's why they tried to disqualify them because there were a bunch of young people filled with new wine. They don't know what they're doing. They're following this young Jesus who's only 30 at the time of his ministry. No, they, they're disqualified. You are qualified. Your youthfulness qualifies you even more. Now, I'm not necessarily an old man, but I'm well on my way. And so <laughs> I'm going to have dreams. <laughs> but you young men have these visions. And so we need all of us together in the body of Christ. So that's why it's important. And so don't, you know, sometimes we, we are, we're polluted because of what we see. And even old Bibles will have pictures of Jesus with an old beard and he looks old. 
Jesus died. You got to remember, Jesus died when he was 33. He was crucified at 33. Uh, he started his ministry at 30. Most, if not all of his followers, most of them, I won't say all because there were some older, uh, were young, young people. Uh, so don't disqualify yourself if you're young. You are definitely qualified to do miraculous work. These were the apostles. Can you imagine the apostles being 20, 25, 28, the foundation of the church? Some of you laugh. Like, I can imagine my daughter and son, who are 20 and 21, being with the apostles. That would be great, being, a, being considered an apostle, one of the 12, foundation of the church out here preaching and teaching the word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is important. Verse 18, it says, And my men's service and on my maid service, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in the midst of you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. This is some good stuff right here. Uh, I'm going to touch on just a little bit, and then we're probably going to end. Um, <laughs> so one talks about uh, this being the time. This, this what, he, what Joel prophesied is now happening, is now being fulfilled. And uh, you'll see this, this pattern pre- that pre- Peter preaches. You'll see this pattern throughout uh, the Bible, and even Paul picks this up where they one, they declare the works of God and then uh, uh, and what Jesus did. So they declare the crucifixion, and then they go to repentance. So they talk about the crucifying and then repentance. Uh, so they always talk about Jesus and what he did on the cross and him dying and his resurrection. And then the, the question is, you should repent. <laughs> and we'll get to that, what Peter does later on. Uh, but it's interesting. I find this to be really interesting, and then we'll stop here, in that 23 says, him being delivered uh, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. So that's what he says. He said, you were delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. And then he says, you have taken by lawless hands, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put him to death. So those are two different things he's putting together. He says, God predetermined that Jesus was going to die, and you took his life. And killed him by lawless hands because he did not do anything wrong. You took his life. And so sometimes there's this push and pull between uh, what God determined and what man wills. And here you have that the will of man were to crucify Jesus, but it was God predetermined purpose to crucify Jesus as well. And they can live both in the same. It's good. It's good for me anyway. <laughs> And that, and you can see this, and you see this throughout the Bible, where you can see the will of man and the predetermination of what God wanted have happened. They come together. Uh, you can see this in the Old Testament a whole lot with the uh, pharaohs. Uh, but yeah, you can have the evil men do what God predetermined was going to do, and it's still their hands, their lawlessness, 
they did it. They were wrong in doing it, but God predetermined and purpose. And I, it reminds me of the Old Testament saying, uh, uh, I think it was Joseph saying, uh, all things work together. We're not, that's not Joseph saying, uh, what was he saying? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen. We're going to end there. Uh, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get, but our time. Uh, if I had like an hour and a half, you guys got an hour and a half? No, I'm just joking. I don't have <laughs> um, This is good stuff. I want you guys to, uh, again, if you have any questions about what we're going through, what we're studying, anything, email me. Let me know. I can definitely touch on it. If, if something was unclear, if you're reading the outline and something is unclear or you need a greater understanding, we can meet one-on-one. I could talk it through with you. Uh, or you can email me or give me a call. I, I'm I'm really accessible. If we meet together, I'll probably meet you working out. So I'll say, hey, meet me at the steps so we can work out. Alex, we do that all the time because <laughs> uh, I want you to do what I'm already going to be do. I can knock two birds, kill two birds with one stone. So if we want to work out, then I'll just throw you in there as well. Um, if you don't work out, it's hard for us to meet because <laughs> I'm going to be sleeping or working. Uh, praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Uh, ask the prayer team to come forward. If you desire prayer, if you want to be saved, if you want to, want to know the Lord and Savior, want to know the Lord as your Savior, uh, you know, take this opportunity to come to the prayer team and pray, and they will pray with you. If you have just any prayer request in general, again, that's what the prayer team is here for. Um, I just want to pray and then um, close us with our blessing. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the worship that we have. We thank you for Jared and uh, and uh, his friend coming up with us and just sharing and blessing and pouring out. Uh, we're just grateful for that. It was just a, such a sweet spirit in this place. We thank you for you just meeting us here. It just proves that we're one or, you know, just one person singing how you fill the room with praise and worship. And so we're so grateful for that. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We continue to Bless, continue to bless us and keep us and cover us and protect us, Lord God. We thank you for uh, all that we have going on this week, for students who may have tests and things going on. We pray that you will be with them. Uh, your Holy Spirit, bring back to remembrance what needs to be brought back so they do well. Continue to protect them and keep them while they're away from home. Uh, we just honor you, Lord Jesus. Uh, and let us close with our blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace on today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.